show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and making sure that I'm where I'm supposed to be on uh, technology and all. Am I there? Can you hear me okay? I hope so. Um, so uh, <laughs> it is um, July, and one of the things that I've always, always, always wanted to go to is Comic-Con. It's in San Diego. It just started today. They get to hear all the latest and greatest of all the stuff that's coming up, anything sci-fi and superhero and fab- general fabulousness of projects. So I hope everyone out there has a fabulous, fun time, and I look forward to seeing all the posts online and just know that I'm very jealous, but not in a bad way. Um, so everybody have fun. And then also on Sunday, it's National Tequila Day, which I find interesting that it falls on the last day at Comic-Con. So uh, maybe it's a big celebratory thing, you know, finishing all that up. So everybody, if you do partake in National Tequila Day, please be responsible. Um, and, you know, drink a lot of water because you can get awfully hungover with that. So I've heard. Um, but if you're not going to Comic-Con and you're not going to celebrate, or you may celebrate National Tequila Day, I have a book you need to be reading, and I have the author here to talk about it. So I have best-selling author uh, Barbara Ancrum. She writes both contemporary and historical romances set in the West, where she has spent much of her life. After a successful career as a commercial actress, she turned her creative energies to writing the story she loves to read. Her emotional, character-driven books have been twice nominated for the RWA Prestigious Rita Awards, won numerous Romantic Times Awards, and she was thrilled to have her contemporary Christmas book, Holiday Hearts, adapted into a highly rated 2019 Hallmark movie and mysteries um, on the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel. With two grown children, a husband who still, after all these years, supports her writing um, and has learned to cook for himself while Barbara's on deadline. Um, They recently moved to Texas in my neck of the woods, um, whose whose prairies and big skies are inspiring all new kinds of stories. Uh, You can visit her at her website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tulay Publications, as she is a Tulay author. Uh, her latest book, Calling All Angels, is out now. It is the third book of the Guardian Angels Chronicles. How are you today, Barbara? Hi, I'm great. How are you, Patricia? I'm good. So um, are you in North Texas? I am. I'm kind of in the Fort Worth, Dallas area. Oh, We're yeah. A little, okay. a ways apart, considering Texas is so gigantic, but I'm not that far from you. <laughs> You know, it's funny. People go uh, in Texas, like, oh, it's only a five-hour drive. It's no big deal. You know, yeah. people <laughs> this place is like, what do you mean five hours? I could be like to eight states in five hours. Like, well, uh, you I can't know. get out of Texas well, in I'm, five hours. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm from I'm from California, really originally, and California you can't go anywhere, you know, for less than that. So, you know, I'm kind of used to right. that drive. California is so gigantic too. You know, to be you could be in California yeah. for a very yeah. long time <laughs> driving. Oh so. yeah, if you're going north south for sure. Yeah, you're you're gonna be yeah. driving a while. But it's beautiful coastline yeah. and beautiful mountains. That's um it is. I've always been fascinated by that. Like you could be on the beach on one day and then two days, you know, the next day you could be up in the mountains skiing. It's just it's crazy. Well, you can actually be in both places in the same day. In in LA. I mean you can have both at both at yeah. once. Really. Wow. So, which we did wow. some, several times. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty beautiful there. <laughs> I do kind of it's miss so it, fantastic. actually. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, there's 
there's no beach quite like a California beach. Um, I mean, all Ugh. beaches are great, but every, and everyone has their own uh, charm. But, yeah, it's, it's just different, and, and it's, it's yeah. cold. I know that for sure. <laughs> it's way colder than Florida, say, but it's so pretty there. And, yes. you know, California is just a place of its own. You know, it just really can't, it can't compare it to anywhere else. No, that is true. Um, and yeah. so now you've anyway, so ginormous was, state that you can't, yeah, you can't compare to anything yeah. else either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really lived in California most of my life. I mean, I didn't grow up there, but I, mm-hmm. I moved there once I grew up and I lived there for many years and we just moved, um, gosh, about six years ago, we went to Kansas to follow my grandkids around and, um, <laughs> and then they moved down here to Texas. So here, here we are. So. We're just nice. following our grandkids. It's always an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. It's always an adventure. <laughs> nice to be able to do that. It's funny. You were talking about Comic-Cons, too. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this. You probably don't. But my husband does Comic-Cons a lot because he was an actor for many years. And he was in the, the original first Star Wars movie. He, he was um, the voice of Wedge Antilles. Oh, wow. And so he okay. does. Yeah, he does Comic-Cons, too. He goes to signings and um he did the voiceover for is he the out actor there now? who was. Uh, no, he's not there now, um, not yeah. this time. Okay. But he does a lot of comic cons, different different places, and um, he's done that one before. But yeah, he did the How voice fun. of uh, of uh, Wedge Antilles because the guy who was playing him, who was actually Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor's uncle, I think. Um, had yes. a very heavy Scottish brogue, and they wanted an American voice for it. So yeah, so that's him when you hear him. <laughs> Anyway, that's interesting I that you say that because I literally, and I, I am not lying, I was scrolling through Instagram because I was looking at your, I was signing up for your Instagram, and there was a thing about Star Wars, and it talked about the original voice uh, David Prowse did for Darth Vader, and then it talked, and then they have James Earl Jones, and talked about how yeah. um, George Lucas wanted a deeper, you know, um, voice for yeah. Darth Vader, so yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating because I remember what people he was like, very... this is Jones. Is he in the suit? You know? I know, I know, I know. He was super specific about what he really wanted. And I mean, it was kind of a low budget. Nobody knew what it was going to be, even when they were doing it, you know, they weren't sure if it was going to mm-hmm. be just a low budget kind of weird space movie, but well, as it turned out, <laughs> it was a big deal. Yes. But it has yeah, really its, fun. Own, its own bubble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That is the definitely that is the it is the only movie that I can recall as a child and even as an adult that my father stood in line to see. My dad is an incredibly impatient guy. Um Uh, he stood in line with me and my brother. We were like eight and three or something. And um he an hour, an hour he stood in line for an hour to see Star Wars. It was I've never seen anything like it. Um but it was a thing. I out, mean, he'd want It was. It was. It was yeah. crazy. Uh, it was a thing. But when the second one came out, he wouldn't. He didn't want to stand in line that time. So he drove like thirty minutes to out. We were in <laughs> Houston. We drove to Sugarland, which was like way the hell out there. You know, back then, like uh-huh. driving by field to field to field. And um, oh, man. we went to a theater out there, so we didn't have to wait in line. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of fun. It's a fun thing for him to have done and, you know, to talk about, and he loves that, you know, and, and he did a lot of other acting jobs too, but that was just kind of one that people really loved. 
So. Oh yeah. Anyway, I mean it's 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 always fun to hear that. But but so it's with him being an actor, you were kind of used to seeing how how movie sets are or things went. So when your book got picked up, you were kind of familiar oh, yeah. with how the format was. Well, yeah. I was an actor too. It's a lot of I don't fitting. know if you knew that. Yes, that's right. I was, you I were, was an you actress were. for years myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did commercials um, in, uh, you know, in L.A. for a long time, uh, which worked out perfectly for me because I was a mom. I was a young mom, and commercials are quick, you know, and they don't have to travel mostly. And um, so, right. yeah, I did that for a long time. So I was kind of familiar with – I wasn't on movie set per se. He was. He did that. Um, more than I did. I was on TV commercial sets, which are similar, but not really. <laughs> um, but yeah, but being on the right. movie set of your own book, that was a whole yeah. kind of mind, mind-bending experience. It was so fun. They were shooting and it up in Vancouver. It? In Vancouver. Vancouver. Okay. And um, it was at this okay. beautiful little park called Stanley Stanley Park up in, um, if you've ever been to Vancouver, it's a f- pretty famous little place on the island and um or on the peninsula i guess and um Mm -hmm. yeah so there i was like getting introduced to these actors who had name tags on that were characters that i had named (laughs) and they had chairs with their names on them you know and i'm like oh my god this is blowing my mind yeah it was fun it was really fun and they changed a lot of the story i mean they they did it Sure. You know, they did a great job with it, but that, you know, it always happens when you turn a book into a film that you, you, you have to lose cer- certain things, things that are not, you know, really cinematic or, you know, inner, inner thought kind of stuff doesn't exist. They, they right. have to change a few things, little conflict stuff. Right. You and know, shorten certain scenes. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, but, it, but, you know, I always have my books. It's my book. <laughs> if you want to read the book and yeah. see the original story, you can read the book. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience and really fun. And um, just getting to meet Ashley Williams and Paul Campbell. And I mean, I see them on Hallmark, right? And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. They're very nice. Yeah. It's it's one of those moments that you just are looking, you probably sat there looking around going, is this really happening? Like, is this truly occurring in my life? <laughs> it was a pinch me moment for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was It was so funny. And, and then I was flying home on a plane and I was sitting next to this girl um, and we were just chatting, you know, on the plane. And she's saying, oh, well, I was I was taking this bus tour up in uh, Stanley Park and we passed a movie set. It was so exciting. I'm like, that was my movie. <laughs> it was just kind of like seeing somebody on a plane who's reading your book. I'm like, that was my movie. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, what was the biggest thing that surprised you about it? I mean, because you've got experience as an actress, um, and you know, generally behind—I mean, behind the scenes type stuff. But what was something that surprised you? Um. Well, you know, I—I I guess it was—it was the fact that they had changed you know, certain things about my book. I mean, I'm not precious with it because, mm-hmm. you know, I sold it. <laughs> I sold them the book, you know, and they yeah. did what they wanted to with it. Um, but things about it that I didn't even really see until I actually saw the film in the end, you know, that I only, I was there for mm-hmm. two days in Vancouver. So I got to see um, the big Christmas scene, you know, with the big party scene that I had written, which was, I have to tell you, just so crazy. And 
I, I walked into the room and I'm like, this is exactly what I pictured when I wrote it. And she was very, wow. the, the producer was very happy. Shelly Hack was the producer on it. And Shelly Hack was um, the Charlie girl. I don't know if you remember. Back in, yeah. you don't, you're too she young. She was Charlie girl but back she in was the, on Charlie's Angels. Like, yeah, she was yeah, Charlie's Angels. Yeah. She was like um, season four or five. You know, something yeah. like that. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. She replaced. I think she oh, replaced wow. me. But she, but she was the producer on it. She's the one that bought the book and, um, you know, optioned it and everything. And I got to meet her, which was super fun. She's a very interesting person and way more interesting than you'd even imagine. Um, and so yeah. working with her and, you know, she, at one point she's like, oh, I think we need a filler scene. What do you think? And let's sit down and, you know, brain, brain, um, brainstorm about it and I'm like really mm-hmm. <laughs> and we did you know and and you know it ended up being a scene that I did kind of help her with but um wow anyway that was really surprising and fun that she let me be part of that so but it was you know it was like I I she was very protective of the actors and she had a rule about not wanting to take pictures with them and I'm like oh because I really want to take pictures with them and, and they finally did let me take a couple um so that was fun sure but um, oh wow! But yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So it was it was a it was an amazing experience. And then I optioned another book, which has been in development now for like a couple of years because of COVID. Right. Every time a bell rings, which right. is the first book in the series, the Angel series. Um, and I'm still not sure if it's going to get made. You know, it's just crazy time in Hollywood, and who knows? But um, but yeah, so that's that's going to be exciting if that happens because I can't really talk about who did it, but. Um, if it happens, right. it's going to be very exciting. <laughs> so, right. There's that. And so yeah, for anybody anyway. who's it not sure fun. what it means, yeah. For anybody who's not sure what it means to be optioned, it means someone comes to you and says, okay, I would like to do something with your book. I'd like to make a TV movie or a film or what have you, but I will give you this amount of money that you can't let anyone else have that option of doing anything with it for this period of time, whatever's in the contract. And then if that period of time lapses, but they're still interested, they pay, you know, they, they keep it in their file and they're like, okay, so we want some more time. And so that's how it works. But then I know that a lot of times options can sit there for a long time. And then all of a sudden, boom, everything happens. Like a two, you know, six weeks later, you're even done with filming. Like everything's done. Right. It's just a crazy well, Particularly timeline. with Hallmark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think with the Christmas movie that I did with Hallmark, I think I was notified on August 1st or so that it was greenlit. And greenlit means that they've gotten the money for it. It's going to go into production. Um, They're hiring actors. They're, you know, getting locations. And that takes about a month or so or maybe a month and a half for them to get that all set up. And then I went to Vancouver at the end of September, beginning of October. So, I mean, it was literally mm-hmm. six weeks later. I was on the set. A month later, they were done. Um, so, yeah, it's very fast with Hallmark. It's not true for all film. You know, that's very fast for, right. you know, for filmmaking. But they've got it down to a science. They know everything. They've got it all set. They've got crews set, you know. Um, and if you notice, a oh, lot of sure. times you'll see the same actors. They've got like a pool of actors up in Vancouver that do a lot of the secondary parts um, in, in a mm-hmm. lot of the films. So they've got a great, strong pool of secondary actors up there. And then they bring in stars to do the main main character parts. But 
But yeah, so it, it yeah. is a pretty fast timeline. And, and I mean, as far as options go, yeah, I mean, this next book that I'm, that I option, I've or, I'm already on the second year of the option. So they had to re-up the option. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now mm-hmm. at the end of this option, they don't really have an option to re-up it. After that, I get the rights back unless I want to let them re-option it if they want to. So we'll see. I don't know I how think. Hollywood just goes at a very slow, <laughs> very slowly. Right. It's, it's yeah. its own timeline. You have line. to be patient. It's, it's just a, yeah. Yes. Did you have a cameo? I did not. No, in the first one. No, I, I kind of wished I, I could have, but it was a weird, yeah. weird thing. I didn't want to ask. And if they'd invited me to, I certainly would have been happy to do it, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, you, you never know. Maybe the next one. We'll see. <laughs> If there is right. an excellent, yeah. I know, I know when Terry Wilson had gotten hers for um, Unleashing Mr. Darcy, she was texting us. Oh, yeah. And it was funny because they just said, hey, do you want to be in it? Like they walked, like you're saying. They just walked and said, hey, do you want to be in it? Because we need someone to just walk by the background. Yeah. Um, and so they just yeah. kind of threw her in there with what she was wearing. But she was way in the back. Yeah. And so when but she she's walked by, adorable. we all screamed. You know, like, <laughs> I know she is. She is. She's always getting She's it. always adorable, and so she fit right in. I remember seeing her little walk on there, too. I, I saw her in it, too. It was very cute. Yeah. So she's, it was fun. She's always it's wearing these gorgeous little dresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I wish very I could have. But... Well, I hope you were in the next one, because I will yell when I see you in there. So, for sure. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so let's go back to um, the Guardian Angel Chronicles, because you're talking about this first book, Every Time a Bell Rings, but your newest book, Calling All Angels, is the third of the series. Tell us about mm-hmm. the series and then this new release. Okay, well, so I'll just tell you about the instigation of it, I think, really mostly. I, yeah. It, it came about during the pandemic for me. And, you know, pandemic's been going on for a little while now, but I was, uh, I think I was, I think I was watching a, the news, right? And I was seeing uh-huh. the world had kind of stopped, you know, the world had just kind of ground to a halt. And there were animals wandering the streets, you know, there were like wild yeah. animals in neighborhoods, and no people. And I just thought, oh, my yeah. God, this is crazy. You know, like, how can this be? You'd see freeways that were empty that were never, ever empty, you know. And I don't know right. why. It just Number one, it sparked a feeling in me because I knew I was feeling it real strongly that I missed people so much. You know, I missed talking to people and being with people. And even though Zoom was happening, it's not the same as physically being with them, you know. And I just started right. thinking, you know, mm-hmm. I, I missed the create, I missed the connectivity. I missed touching, you know, all the things that you do in your life. You know, you smell the world and you touch it. And it just made me wonder, you know, if I don't know why I came up with this idea. And it made me think of angels and thinking because I, I kind of believe in the other side, you know, and I wondered if mm-hmm. maybe yeah. that's how they felt, you know, that they missed all that visceral stuff that goes on in our world, you know, that they're kind of beyond that, you know, and do they miss it? Do they wish they could, you know, kind of be in it again? And that kind of inspired yeah. that first story, you know, where um, this angel is sent down to mingle kind of with people before she's sent on to a different job. Um, and <laughs> I just love that idea of angels among us that we don't know are angels, you know, 
and right. I, I, right. I sort of, I sort of felt like maybe that's very true, you know, kind of in our world that there are people who we, you know, often, you know, <laughs> that just come in and out of our lives, you know, and they touch us and they, they're traveling angels kind of, you know, they change us and they do things that make our lives different and then they're gone. I mean, we never see them again. <laughs> like what happened? Where are right. And so, yeah. so that was what kind of inspired this whole idea of, of the series. And it, and it kind of progressed from that simple idea of, you know, this angel coming down and mingling with us. And then in the next one, it was um, kind of a more intentional um, uh, coming together because it was something that this angel was coming down to fix a problem that had happened, you know, a mistake that had happened and she needed to fix this family. Um, only she ended up of course falling in love with the family, which was a big no, no. And then right. this last book was, I wanted to make the angel a guy. I wanted the man to be the angel this time. And so I don't even know where this came from, but it's funny because sometimes you'll write books and you really have them all plotted out ahead of time and you'll, you'll know yeah. kind of where it's going. And this one was not quite like that. This one came to me kind of as a, as a scene, you know, as a first scene of this girl who um, had been in a car accident and she's wandering okay. around her accident scene thinking that she had just come upon this accident and didn't realize that it was actually her in this accident. And, and then oh, wow. there's this, okay. Yeah. So she's, she's actually in a coma for this whole book or for most of this book, but she's not, what a challenge. You know, she's, she's on the other side. She's sort of like in the in-between in this story. Yeah. So she's got a guardian angel who shows up, who um, is supposed to help her through this whole situation and get her, you know, to where she needs to go. And it turns into something else. Doesn't go the way he thought it was going to go. And plus, there is this long sure. soul soulmate history between them that he's not happy about. <laughs> so there's oh, wow. a mystery, and there's there's that part of it. Um, but there's also the idea that you know, if you get a second chance in your life, you know, what are you going to do with it? You know, like, and will you know if you if you can understand at some point in your life that you haven't done the thing that you're supposed to do, you know, like if you get a second chance, what do you do with it? So, right. yeah. So there was, that. there was a lot of, a lot of, you know, my own philosophy things, you know, tied in there, I guess. But yeah, I just loved, I loved writing yeah. this book and it, it seemed like a, an exclamation point on this whole series for me, but I yeah. may write another one. It you sounds very soulful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it sounds really like it's, almost healing, you know, like, yeah. um, very cathartic, you know, to be able yeah. to, to write something like that. And what a challenge to write that your main character is in a coma. Like, to, <laughs> I know. Oh yeah. One of my characters is in a coma for the, and you're like, what? Yeah. yeah I can, I can yeah, only imagine boy. you pitching it, you know? So know. this is a story that my, my main character's in a coma for most of the Can, like, I, can uh, I just tell you that they really weren't sure about this story. They were like, hmm, <laughs> I don't know. And my editor's like, oh, yeah. wait, yes, she can do it. She, you have to let her try this. It's going to be so good. And so Sinclair, Sonny, who's my, um, my editor, just really uh-huh. for it and helped me get it, you know, done. So I was very grateful to her. Um, she's the best. Yeah. I just love her. And um, 
So yeah, she, she definitely knows let how me to pull those threads through. She does. She's so good. She's so good at it. Um, and interestingly, I've been editing for Thule now for a little while too from, for some of the authors there. And I'm going to be editing Sinclair's next series, which is weird. You know, we're going to be trading off. I said, just pretend we're in a cookie sure. group Sinclair. Sinclair. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm excited to do that, but I just love her so much. She's so great. But I was lucky they let me do I'm it. Not it is a a good, yeah. But it is a good point yeah. to make because for anybody out there who I know a lot of people said, you know, during COVID and they were home and we're working from home, what have you. Um, and, and it's like, oh, well, I always wanted to write a book. Maybe I'll do that. Understand that it's essential that you have critique partners because oh, yeah. you may think you're the most brilliant writer ever as well as your mom, your grandma, and your next door neighbor. But you really need yeah. somebody who's going to be um, – very honest with you because if you start putting stuff out there that's not good, readers are not gracious about it. Like they are no, just not. No. So yeah, but it's, you want but to put it's the also best important. product out there you can. Oh yeah, it's it's also really important to know who your critique partners are. I mean, like not just your best friends yeah. who are going to be kind to you, but but also other writers who understand what you're doing. Um, yes. And understand how to critique. You know because. Critique can be pretty brutal too if you're not if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. I've been a teacher for many many years, like since the beginning of the 2000s. Basically, I used to teach at UCLA mm-hmm. Extension in the writers program, and we, you know, I mean, I had to teach a lot of writers how to critique because not everybody really does it well, and you can really hurt somebody, damage somebody's, you know, if you're not careful and honest. Careful yeah, and honest. <laughs> So yeah, right. it's, it's it's a it's a tricky, mm-hmm, tricky thing. But I definitely yeah. agree. I mean, and it's it interesting. So much. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting too because I I remember one specific thing I sent out to my critique partners one time. We were all trading pages. There's a whole group of us, and it was kind of randomly assigned uh-huh. to who you got because there was enough of us in the school that week. That you know, and I got these two different. Um, I I sent it out, and I got. One person said, I absolutely hated this. Throw it away. I don't know what you're writing. This is awful. Um, I, this is not usually the stuff you write, like the quality. And so I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but this is terrible. And then oh. I got the other critique, and it was a complete 180. I cannot. You've really just put these characters in a tremendously stressful situation right from the start. I want to know what happened. You know, it was just like I didn't even know what to oh. do with that afterwards. Yeah. 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 And that's. I, I mean, that's, it's never helpful to write that kind of a critique, honestly. It's like, I hate this, throw it right. away, you know, never write, never pick up a pen again. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's not helpful. Yeah. Um, and no. constructive criticism is a whole different thing. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I really encourage people, if they're looking for critique partners, you know, to really know who they are and to really agree ahead mm-hmm. of time, you know, like when, you, when you're critiquing each other, that you're going to be supportive and you're going to – you know, write constructive criticism that you're not going to like try to tear each right. other down because that it's pe- writers are fragile. You know, they really are. Right. We are. <laughs> and we like to think we're not, but we are, we are. No, you know? we, we yeah. don't have as thick skin as people would think. Um, no. We're just people. We're just human, you know, and especially new well, writers when they're it's starting like, it, it's yeah. important. Yes. Yes. Well, and two, it's, it's like uh, we all do this, and I'm sure you've done it. It's like you finish your book, and you're so excited, and you, 
you're like, oh, my gosh, this is just, I can't believe this is amazing. And the moment you hit send, I don't know if you do this, but my stomach just twists. I'm like, I just sent the biggest piece of crap ever. And, you know, oh, yeah. It's never, oh, yeah. It's never that. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, what am I doing with my life? Oh, I know. I know. I always, I mean, I always. Why do I always, keep doing this? Oh, my gosh. I know. I, well, I always hit that point in a book. Like, what was I thinking? Like, where is my conflict? Oh, my God, the middle. What is happening? I always think that, even though maybe it's not true. I mean, I guess it's a good thing to think that because it makes you really concentrate on making it better. But, um, but. But right. the other thing I learned really early on in my writing career is, like, you can always make it better. You could always change something, but you eventually have to let it go from your fingertips. You have to eventually let it, mm-hmm. you know, push the send button and get it out there. I mean, I have many books out there. And I, if I go back and look at my early books, you know, there's a lot of things that I would probably change if I was going to go back and re- revise them. Um, but at the time, yeah. they were the best that I could do, you know, and that's great. Yeah. You know, that's that's the best you can do it. And if you're with an editor, you know, they'll help you, you know, try to fix things that are maybe lacking, um, which is why it's great to have a good editor. You, you, everybody should have their, their work edited professionally before they send it out into the world. You know, I I truly believe that, but it's it's expensive and it's a lot, you know, it's hard. (laughs) Writing is not easy. It is, but yes. Yeah. And, and you have to also accept the fact that, what you write may be really good, but it may not be what someone likes. It's just, it just yeah. may not be oh, your yeah. thing, and that's okay. Well, um, well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure even this book, you know, maybe won't align with somebody's philosophy and they go, oh, I'm not reading that. And, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. It's, fine. Uh-huh. it's not. I mean, like, it's yeah. meant for whoever wants to read it and whoever, need, whoever needs to read it, you know, and, and I'm okay yeah. with that. I was reading a thread one time about people posting about one-star reviews, um, and yeah. it's funny because there was these authors saying, oh, if the one-star review is because too much sex, I'm buying that book. And so um, it, yeah. it was funny because a friend of mine got, like, this scathing one-star review. I just talked about there was too much, you know, nudity or whatever, graphic sex. So she used it as one of her ads, like on Facebook. <laughs> So she took it and so put big graphics and like she's like one star yeah. review too much sex don't buy this book she said she sold so many of these books oh, how funny. it was just unhinged yeah. so I yeah. mean it's it's funny what people like and what they don't like it's just but yeah you can't you can't please everybody well I mean just let's just face it you know our country our world right now is so you know juxtaposed to each other you know it's like it's there's either mm-hmm. black or white, you know, and you just, there's no in, the be- in between. And so you're not going to please everybody. You're just not, you're, you know, it's going to offend somebody yeah. or it's going to make, you're going to push somebody's button that you didn't realize you were pushing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. definitely happened to me with themes and stuff that I've written about. Um, I don't know. I, it, it's okay. You know, I can deal with it, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't like getting right. star reviews. And, and I don't get them too often, but every once in a while I will. And I'll, I'll just take them and start. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, I just quit reading. Please don't buy another book. I just quit reading. Yeah. Yeah. You do. Yeah. My mom will yeah. poke in well, every once in a while and read the reviews. And she'll let, she's like, yeah, everything's good. And then every once in a while she'll like, yeah. oh, my God, I can't believe, you know. I'm like, I don't want to know. I just, I just don't want to see it. So all I good. Know. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I mean, there's nothing, nothing. You know, there's nothing you can do at this point. The book is out there. You know, it's done. No. And, you know, it's like, next. 
So. Yeah. Yeah, you got to move on to anyway. the next thing for sure. For sure. Yeah. So speaking of the next thing, what is coming after you finish this, you know, you've got these three books. Is you, you mentioned you might write another, but, I mean, do you have another project brewing? Um, well, uh, to be honest, I am, I've not started my next book yet just because I have been moving okay. this past year. I moved twice. Sure. Which is crazy. I mean, yes, we had to move a lot. We were, we, were, we were living in an apartment here because we hadn't decided yet whether we were going to buy to make sure our kids were going to stay in one place finally. And before we were able to do that, our apartment complex was like renovating all the apartments. So they forced us out of one apartment and into another one that was already renovated. And like literally a month later, wow. we found a house. So two months later, we <laughs> moved in. And we have been renovating here, you know, and redoing all of our stuff. It's just been a crazy, very stressful couple months. And so I, but I do have another series that I'm, that I'm going to do for Tuli. Um, It's going to be another cowboy series. It's going to be sort of in the vein of my Canada's um, series, I think, Um, which was uh, my first month, my first one for Tuli. And I really love Marietta. So yeah, I'll probably be back in Marietta yeah. for a little while. Okay. So okay. that's, that's well, coming make up. Sure, yeah. um, make sure when you go to Fort Worth, um, you know, they have Cowtown down there. Um, oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. you also, they have, yeah, they have the Longhorn Drive. They have the steer, the, you know, they drive the cattle. And I think I have uh-huh. it in February or March. Um, but, I, yeah. You might I don't know. I think, I've seen uh, it. I've been there. It. I've seen it. And I I think it's yeah. like all the time. I hope it's all the time because we're going to take friends there to see it when they come out to visit us from California. So, right. Yeah, that's so, pretty I mean, fun. Taking the cows, taking the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it, it's um, definitely a different vibe. I, we were, my husband and I met when we were each living in Dallas. And then um, we were over oh. in Fort Worth. I think we went to the, the museum. And then we were standing in line for the movies. And there are these teens behind us going, oh, there's nothing to do here. And I'm just thinking, really? (laughs) Really? You're like, like, one of the biggest, the DFW Metroplex, really? But okay. Oh, I know. Um, I know. It's so fun down there. Yeah. But, I mean, it could have been something he'd seen 5,000 times. It was like, oh, okay. But I get it. It's fine. But but there's Um, tons to do there, right there in Old Town. I know. There is. There is. Um, So you've got, I mean, what about cowboys because you've got a lot of books with the cowboy theme in it what about that mm-hmm. inspires you to write like what started all that yeah um, yeah yeah I you know it's funny I grew up in New York State so I didn't grow up in the west um but my father uh-huh. was like a city cowboy he thought he wanted to be a cowboy I mean in his deepest darkest okay. soul and he would take me to all the movies all the westerns you know the John Wayne movies the my favorite was uh, How the West yeah. Was One. Mm-hmm. How the West Was uh-huh. One, which yeah. was like everybody in Hollywood was in that one. Um, and the idea music. of... Amazing music. Oh, gosh, I love that movie. I still love that movie so much. I could watch it again. <laughs> um, but, but something about that pioneer kind of thing, you know, about settling the West. I Maybe it's a reincarnation thing. No, but okay. I felt like I really had to tell that story. I really had to do that. My first book that I ever wrote was a historical about a wagon train going on the Oregon Trail. Um, and yeah. I, I just kind of felt like I finished what I maybe had started, you know, at some point. And, you know, I, I just 
loved telling that story. And I just stayed in the West. I, I love the idea of the West. And because I didn't live there until I was 25 or so, I think, I was fascinated okay. with it. So I was always yeah. in the re- library doing research, you know, and just learning all about the Native Americans and the West settling and all the things. And I, I literally have this encyclopedic knowledge of all that time period, like between the Oregon Trail and post-Civil War, kind of that was where I, mm-hmm. my, my, so I, I knew all that stuff I, because I really studied it a lot and had tons of research books on it. So I just stayed in that time period for a long time. I mean, I love other time periods too. I would love to write a Regency sometime, but I, but I don't have any of that, you know, <laughs> experience, that research, you know, to and do that it. Takes so a I lot probably of research for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But actually, so the angel mm-hmm. in my, um, in my last book, um, he's actually Scottish. He was a Scottish um, aristocrat 200 okay. years ago. <laughs> and so I got to use a little bit of that. You know, in this book, he's got the Scottish brogue and everything in this book, which I loved. And um, so I, I, gave, I, gave a, I got a little taste of that in that book, even though I will never write one of those Scottish Highland books, which I also love. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I just love the West. I lived there for a long time, and, and I, I really think it's, it's a kind of a misunderstood, um, that cowboy lifestyle is kind of misunderstood, and, you know, the independence of it, I just loved, and I don't know. I just relate to it. Yeah. Somehow. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because there's a lot of, I don't know, if, if you look, um, like it's a 2020 um, there's all sorts of threads, but there was a lot of, um, like you're saying, city cowboys, but there's a lot of writing groups that, an R-I-D-I-N-G groups, um, that actually took their horses to vote um, in Arizona <laughs> and, um, you yeah. know, New Mexico mm-hmm. and then Texas. Houston had a huge one. They came in, and I apologize to the group. It was, um, it was, a, it was an all-black um, group. And it is, it is thrilling to see them come in. I mean, people are so excited to watch them come wow. in. They're just strutting right in. And, and it's, it is interesting because of at least 25% of the cowboys that we talk about, like that time period you're talking about, were black. And, That's um, right. So, you know, if anyone, you know, so if you want to go read Beverly Jenkins, if someone's interested, she has a lot of those setups, and she talks a lot about that. Um, and so when you're doing your research, it's, it's, I find it interesting that what we see, like in your movies, and and they're amazing movies, um, but it's like, oh wow, there's this whole other world happening that yes, a right. lot of us they're not represented. They're not represented. Learning. In, yeah, yeah, they're not represented in old, yeah. older movies at all. And you know, really post Civil right. War, that's where a lot of um, ex slaves ended up. You know, and they were looking for yeah. freedom, and they were looking for independence, and. There were some of the cowboys. In fact, I think there's a statue in Fort Worth to one of the best cowboys back in the 30s who was African-American. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but there's actually a statue there of him. Um, but, but, yeah, I think in, my, in that first book I did, there was an African-American character um, uh, who mm-hmm. was, like, one of, one of my hero's best friends. and. Um, and yeah, and I, I really, I really think that they are definitely under, underrepresented in in literature of the West for sure. Right. 
There's a great so. article. You know, there's always the there's always the ru- the rumor that um, Bass Reeves, who if anybody doesn't know, was like this amazing, amazing gentleman who is a lawman and he was uh, an ex-slave. Um, and he lived in who the 1800s to the ni- early 1900s. Bass Reeves. Um, and okay. he there's a rumor that's saying that he was the lone he was the the um, inspiration for the Lone Ranger. So oh, a lot wow. of people talk about that, but. Yeah, but it, there's a great article um, in Texas Monthly. It was, that, it was dated, and I can send you the article, and I can um, put it in the write-up of the show, just the link for it. But Christian Wallace is the writer, and he wrote an article called The Resurrection of Bass Reeves, and it talks about his whole, like, this guy actually found um, people who had seen Bass Reeves. Like, they, of course, they were very old at this point. But yeah. I mean, they yeah. were talking about how well, how well he shot, how well he rode, the people he captured. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he was a huge mm-hmm. guy, like huge. But he um, had been on a lot of the um, in, in Indian territory. So he could go a lot where mm-hmm. the rangers couldn't go and a lot. So he, mm-hmm. they say, captured like 3,000, 3,000, um, you know, criminals. Um, mm-hmm. And but it, it goes back to saying he, it, he was so regional that the likelihood of someone knowing who he was and basing Lone Ranger on him is not high. Um, but it's a fascinating story, uh, truly. So, um, but, but he was it, kind of a lone Yeah, it's knowing where to – yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in a lot of ways uh-huh. his own. Um, and I would love to see a movie um, on him, like, uh-huh. done. Um, he was yeah. in a recent one, like um, – but, I mean – uh, it was on Netflix with Regina King. Um, and so, but yeah, I, I think it's very interesting, the layering of it all, like the West, mm-hmm. you know, the different mm-hmm. kinds of cowboys, even now. Um, and I'm sure that that, uh, depending on the time period you're writing, um, like if we're in Marietta, it's a little, you know, the rodeo is a little bit different than it is in Texas. The base is basically the same, but then you have different terrains and you have different, you know, seasons and yeah. you have different, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that change. So, yeah. It's, sure. it's, it's, uh, it's fun. Well, Texas, to read in about. Texas too, in Texas, it was like, um, the, this, the railroads brought in, you know, a lot of cowboys mm-hmm. because the Texas steers were moved from Texas up to Kansas, you know, to the railhead. Yes. Um, and that's, yes. and that's how they got cattle everywhere, you know, in the country. So, yeah. I mean, it didn't really start until that happened. You know, there wasn't really a way to ship cattle until they had to drive them, you know, physically up to yeah. Montana if they wanted to get them up there but um or down. So yeah, I mean right. just the whole idea of, of that lifestyle is so challenging and so hard. <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and not just the cowboys, but everybody who lived in the West, everybody who challenged themselves to live in a place that was inhospitable, you know, and, and a place yeah. where they were just creating something, you know. It's like you, you can't find that anymore, you know, and it's just so no. interesting to imagine, you know? Yeah, I mean, I so, tell the anyway. like, you do realize people at one point showed up here and said, I'm going to build a house right here. I mean, <laughs> and there's nothing here. Like, there's yeah. there's nothing here. So I'm going to have to yeah. live in whatever I've brought until the house is ready, you know? Um, I know. Can you even imagine? And they're like, wow. I, hmm. No? <laughs> or, 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 on the, or on the prairies, you know, where they built houses out of sod and they lived in these little mud huts you know <laughs> and that was yeah. where they lived yeah without anything yeah i mean it, it just blows your mind i know anyway 
I do love the, writing the human spirit work. is quite. Yeah. Yes. The, the human yeah, spirit yeah, and is. motivation is quite fascinating. So with calling all angels, it makes sense to have this whole kind of cycle of life, even as the angel comes yeah. down, it's like, okay, let's, you know, get rolling. And then things go completely uh-huh. different. So, um, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> yeah. it's always, yeah, it's yeah. always interesting to see how stories play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, thank you yeah, so much I had for being here today, Barbara. I so appreciate you. Thank you. And well, so everybody, thank you for having talking me to Barbara Ancrum. Yeah. And uh, she's Calling All Angels. It's her newest release out now. You can visit her at her website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Shule Publications. Um, I have all those links in the write-up of the show. Go out and get that book. And she's got, it's the third of the series. So pick all three up and go sit by the pool and uh, stay cool, everyone, because it is ridiculously hot. So everybody, stay safe. Keep on reading. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.